Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message. Welcome to church. Happy holidays to everyone. It's not too early to say that, right? It's a hol- we're in holidays. We're, in, we're there? Okay, good. Um, I just want to uh, reiterate one of the things that was announced. Um, uh, we are launching a second, City Lights Church is launching a second service on the second Sunday of January. So it'll be January 9th. Um, so it's going to be good. And so as you can see, it's getting a little bit packed in here. We need to make some more space, make some more room. But one of the things with that is that um, I want to encourage you, if, if you're not currently connected to one of our serve teams, um, to please consider doing so. I know that like when people come to a church, a lot of times people, they'll go through like our belong class, learn about the church or whatever. Um, but some people are like, I'm burnt out from my last church or, you know, I'm just going to take a season of rest. And we want that for you, obviously, if, if, if you need just a season of receiving and rest, because some people serve for years, hardcore. Um, however, if you've been here for a while and you rested up, I want to encourage you to jump in somewhere. So if you're not connected to one of our serve teams uh, in some capacity, um, please consider doing so. Next week, we have our Belong class. We, we provide opportunities there if you want to jump into a serve team. Um, but also, if you've already gone through a Belong class, you're part of our church, um, you can scan that QR code right there. Um, or, I, I don't know, is there a paper form of this somewhere? No? Okay. Well, just talk to us. We'll, we'll get you squared away. Talk to Leslie or Emily, Kate. Um, and I will say, um, as far as serving... Um, you could serve, if you go to that form, it'll say, how, um, how often would you be willing to serve? And it says like once a month or multiple times a month. So the commitment level is kind of like on you a little bit. We're not going to like every single Sunday you're going to be, you know, uh, serving, um, if, if you don't want to do that. So, but the cool thing about this is too, the Sunday that you do serve, you, you can, um, worship one and, and, uh, and serve one. Attend one, worship one. So that's a, that's a good thing. One good thing about having two services. So I just want to encourage you to do that. If you have not, jump in somewhere, serve in some capacity. If you're still resting up, um, hurry up and rest, all right? Because we need you. We need your help. All right. That's my shameless plug today. All right. We're continuing our series called Builders of the Wall. Um, I didn't realize this at the time. I thought we would maybe have this series more wrapped up into the holiday season, but it looks like this series is going to carry us um, through the end of the year. Um, But we've been exploring what it means to be a Holy Spirit-empowered, life-giving church. I want to lead a Holy Spirit-empowered, life-giving church. You guys want to be part of one. We want to be Holy Spirit-empowered, life-giving individuals. And so... We've been talking about what that looks like. The Lord gave me a blueprint of what this looks like a couple of months ago. I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit. He he gives us what we need. And he gave me a blueprint of this um, a couple of months ago um, from the book of Nehemiah. Um, The book of Nehemiah, chapter 3, has kind of been putting some more meat on the bone of what it looks like to be a spirit-giving, spirit-empowered, life-giving church. Um, and then, as some of you might remember, I had a, a word earlier in the summer um, about the second phase of our church. 
Um, we're going into phase two. And, um, and I believe what the Lord has given us here is the blueprint of what it will look like. So from time to time, we actually need to kind of come back and revisit these themes that we've been preaching about, because I believe they're a blueprint for us um, for City Lights Church in the future. Okay, so um, the Lord showed me that the gates listed in Nehemiah chapter 3 are a blueprint or a prototype of what the gates we want to have open here at City Lights Church. Um, by the way, I don't know if you know this, but um, ancient Jerusalem in the days of Nehemiah had a, um, a, uh, a Target shopping center. Did you know this? You guys think Target's kind of a new, a new thing, but look at that right there. This is the walls of Jerusalem today, and there's a Target logo there. How many knew that? Okay, so this is, this is what's known as the, um, the stay-at-home mom's gate right there. Okay, that's where the stay-at-home moms go in and out. Actually, I, I remember being in Jerusalem and I saw that when we were, I think this is kind of on the north side near the Damascus Gate and the Flower Gate. Um, I saw that and I remember thinking, that looks like a Target logo, but I didn't get a chance to take a picture of it. So I literally watched a video of someone who drove around, it was like a YouTube video of someone who drove around the old city and I was like looking for it and then I found it and I took a screenshot of it just for you guys today. So there you have it. It's true. Okay, let's do a quick review. <laughs> Nehemiah. Um, go ahead and put up that gate. Okay, so the first gate that we want to have open is the sheep gate. The sheep gate, how many know that we are God's flock? We're, we're part of God's pasture. Um, this is where churches that are life-giving have to provide a place for the spiritual needs of believers to be met. Okay? They have to provide a place for you to come in and have a spiritual needs met. That's the first thing a church really has to do. The next gate is the fish gate. Um, this is what's known as, this speaks of evangelism. Jesus said to his disciples, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So a, a, a spirit-empowered church needs to have the evangelism gate open. We each need to have the evangelism gate open in our lives. Jesus actually said this. He says, um, if you're not gathering with me, you're scattering. There's really no in-between ground with, with Jesus. You're either, you're either part of his flock and you're a gatherer or you're a scatterer. Okay, so I want to encourage you, have the evangelism gate open in your life. And we want to have an open um, in this church. We do altar call. Oh, what an anointed altar call. Um, we do those every single week. And I just want to encourage you, you know people who don't know the Lord, who need to hear the gospel, bring them here so that we can give them the gospel. But you can also do this wherever you go. So one, another reason why we like to share the gospel here is so that we all are familiar with what is the gospel? How do you share it? And so pay attention when we do, when we do altar calls so you can learn how to do it. Okay, uh, the next gate after that was uh, the old gate, okay, or what's known maybe as the discipleship gate or wisdom's gate. Um, how many know that once you get the new fishies to come in, you gotta, you gotta get them cleaned up, and you gotta get them around some mature people. You gotta get them around the wise people. And so, we wanna have Wisdom's Gate open in this church. Uh, Emily preached that message. She had a word from the Lord that was powerful. Um, and one of the things she said was this God, and there was, there was not only um, an admiration to us to have, um, you know, spiritually mature people here, um, but also there was a, um, a provoking thing for, for the wise. So this is what she said. God wants to make the wise zealous again so that the young zealots could become wise. Okay, so if you're one of the old, mature, 
Wise people, God wants to rekindle your zeal once again. Why? Because the young zealots will become wise when that happens. Okay, the gate after that is the valley gate. So all this is going in the counterclockwise direction. Um, Valley gate speaks of ministry to the brokenhearted. We want to be a church that meets people at the point of their spiritual need. Um, Jesus said this, Jesus in Luke 4.18 quoted Isaiah 61. Jesus said this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bind up the brokenhearted. Okay, we want to be a church that meets people going through those brokenhearted, those wounded places, those broken places. The next gate after that is the dung gate. It's the least glamorous of all the gates. The dung gate is the deliverance gate. This is where you get healing from your yesterday, healing from your past pains, your past offenses, your past regrets. We all need healing from our yesterday. Whatever is holding you back from yesterday, you have to release it so that you can move on to what God has for you in the future. Let it go. Don't hold on to it. You know what I'm saying? Okay. We don't want to be spiritually constipated up in here. Let it go. Okay. That was a fun message. And I got lots of good feedback about it. Okay. The next gate after that is the fountain gate. The fountain gate. Jesus said that whoever believes in me, rivers of living water shall flow from their belly. Rivers. This speaks of the gifts and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. This speaks of the power of the person of the Holy Spirit. And we want to be a church that believes in and flows in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. This is something we're never going to graduate from. We want to constantly be pursuing that. Uh, The gate after that was the water gate. This speaks of the word of God. Pastor Leslie brought it that week. Man, she did a good job. Um, The water gate speaks of the word of God, the Bible. Okay. Um, What I want you to notice is that the word of God, the, the water gate and the fountain gate, the word of God and the spirit of God are supposed to be together. Okay. If we want to be powerful people, we must have both flowing in our life. The word and the spirit. If we, uh, if we don't have the word, we get weird. Okay? Without this, you're going to get weird. All right? If we don't have the spirit, we become powerless and boring. And I don't want to be powerless or boring. But when we have both, we get powerful and practical. Okay? So we want the, the spirit of God and the word of God flowing together. Now, once we have these gates, we're ready for the next gate, which is what we're going to talk about today. What is the next gate? You guys see it? Go in the counterclockwise direction. The next gate is the horse gate. Everyone say nay. I don't know. I don't know. I need to to drink water. I had to have you do something while I get a drink of water here. All right. All right. What does the horse gate speak of? We're going to look at Job chapter 39. This is God questioning Job. In in the book of Job, God asked Job a series of questions, none of which Job answered, by the way. Okay, This this is what God said to Job. Did you give the horse its strength or clothe its neck with a flowing mane? Did you make it leap like a locust, striking terror with its proud snorting? It paws fiercely, rejoicing in its strength and charges into the fray. It laughs at fear, afraid of nothing. It does not shy away from the sword. The quiver rattles against its side along with a flashing spear and lance. In frenzied excitement, it eats up the ground. It cannot stand still when the trumpet sounds. At the blast of the trumpet, it snorts, ah, 
It catches the scent of battle from afar, the shout of the of commanders and the battle cry. Okay? This is clearly a picture of warfare. This is a, a picture of a war horse. In ancient times, uh, horses were used in war. They're equivalent to what modern-day tanks are. Okay, in ancient times, um, and not so ancient, even as of the early 1900s during World War One, they were still using horses because they're powerful animals. Um, and so, the horse speaks of spiritual warfare. All right. Here's the application. Life-giving, spirit-empowered churches and individuals have to engage in spiritual warfare. All right? Here's the deal with spiritual warfare. Whether you like it or not, whether you believe in it or not, or whether you're actively engaged in it, you're in a war. You are in a war whether you realize it or not. Now, if you're not doing much damage to the kingdom of darkness, maybe you're flying under the radar. And you're not such a problem to the enemy. But he's still happy to mess with you, okay? He's still happy to harass you. But when we're engaged in spiritual warfare, churches that are life-giving, spirit-empowered, must engage in spiritual battles. Okay? I want you to notice, so God is, I don't know if you've ever wondered what a horse thinks, but God actually says, hey, I know what horses think. You know, sometimes you look at your animals like, I don't know what you're thinking, you know? (laughs) We got a dog recently. I'm like, I don't know what you're thinking, but... Sometimes I'll just be petting him, and then he'll just lunge at my face. It's like, he's a puppy. He's got those little sharp teeth. Okay. So God is like, here's what, the hor- here's what the horse says. A horse that is trained in war loves to fight. Okay. This is what the horse is thinking. It says, in frenzied excitement, it eats up the ground. That's a, uh, it cannot stand still when the trumpet sounds. So in frenzied excitement, it's tearing up the ground as it charges into battle. At the blast of the trumpet, it snorts, ah, it catches the scent of battle from afar, the shout of commanders at the battle cry. Okay, this is a picture of spiritual warfare. Here's the deal. Christians, this is, um, this is a picture of us. We should be looking for a spiritual battle. We should be looking for a fight. So many times our, our default setting is to go through life following the path of least resistance. Okay, we're not supposed to, go, as Christians, we're not supposed to go through this life following the path of least resistance. Okay, we're supposed to, we're supposed to take ground for the kingdom of God. Okay, <clears throat> Jesus said this, that on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against this church that he wants to have. He doesn't want a weak and powerless church. He wants a church that prevails over the kingdom of darkness. Okay. Um, when we know our authority, we, we know that we can take ground from the kingdom of darkness for the kingdom of light. And the nature of light is not to retreat from darkness. The nature of light is to invade darkness. Okay. Um, when you turn on a light in a room or, you know, Let's say let's do it the opposite way. Say you have a room where the light's on, and you open the door, and it's dark outside. The light doesn't retreat back, right? The light invades the darkness and fills that void. That's the that's a picture of what the church is supposed to be like. What us individually are supposed to be like. We're supposed to be advancing the kingdom of God, and we should be looking for a fight. We should be looking um, for a fight for God. Now, listen, I, I don't die on every hill. Some hills are not worth dying on. Okay. But when you find a hill that is worth dying on, find a hill that's worth fighting for, stand on that hill and, and fight spiritually for it. Amen? 
Okay, so here's the deal. We love to do this. We get to do this. You're called to do this. All right. So today I want to give um, I want to give a few spiritual truths about spiritual warfare. We've talked about spiritual warfare before, but I want to give a few spiritual um, truths about it. Um, point number one: spiritual warfare is personal. It's personal. When Satan attacks you, he doesn't play by the rules, and he doesn't play nice. He plays dirty, and he plays for keeps. He will attack your family. He will attack your children. He will attack your health. He will attack your finances. He will attack your marriage. These are personal things to us, and the enemy goes after you in a personal way. We would do well to realize that many times things that we go through aren't just happenstance. They're not just because. Many times they are spiritual attacks on our life. Watch this in Nehemiah 3.28. This is where it talks about the horse gate. It says, above the horse gate, the priest made repairs, each in front of his own house. Next to them, Zadok, son of Amar, made repairs opposite his house. Okay, here's my point. Spiritual warfare is not relegated to the church. Satan is more than happy to come to your doorstep and bring the fight to your doorstep. And these priests, they had to fortify the walls. And literally, as they were fortifying the walls of Jerusalem, they were fortifying the walls of their own houses. Okay. Um, So let me ask you a question. Are you building spiritual walls in front of your house? Are you building the wall of intercession in front of your house? Are you, are you fighting spiritual battles at home? Um, <clears throat> I just thought of an example of this this morning, but like if we don't take the fight to the enemy, the enemy's going to bring the fight to us. But we have to have spiritual walls literally around our homes. Um, so let me ask you a few questions this morning. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some prodding today. Is that okay? Yeah. Give me permission to prod a little bit. Um, are you allowing anything and everything into your home? Are you allowing anything and everything into your home? Let me get really practical here. What kind of movies are you allowing in your home? See, sometimes we'll build this really high wall of intercession. The enemy can't get around that, but then we open the door and let him right in. Okay? You might be a spiritual monster, know your authority, but then you open the door and just let the enemy right in. What kind of movies are you letting... Now, I'm not going to tell you what movies are good and bad. This is, this is between you and the Holy Spirit. Um, what kind of music is coming into your home? What kind of things are you looking at on the computer? Okay, You might be a spiritual monster, but letting the enemy come in and have a foothold in your life, in your home. Okay, We need to build, rebuild the spiritual walls around our homes and prevent the enemy from having a foothold in our lives. Okay, So let me, let me do some... Uh, an application for you today. Application number one. Today, ask the Holy Spirit, is there anything that you're letting into your home that he doesn't want you to let into your home? I'll give a couple examples of... Yeah, so just ask the Holy Spirit. God, is there, is there movies? Is there music? Is there, are there inanimate objects that were maybe conceived in the demonic realm that I'm letting into my home. Listen, I'm not being superstitious here. I'm, I'm like actually saying this, this stuff matters. I'm being legalistic. This stuff really matters. Um, uh, several years ago, um, I, I heard a preacher say, hey, take inventory. Ask the Holy Spirit. Is there anything in my home that grieves you, that's bringing maybe oppression into our home? And I prayed, and I had a, a vision of, of our uh, closet. 
And I'm like, okay, so maybe there's something in the closet. So I went into our closet, and there's some books up there. On, on It was a bookshelf, and I, I start thumbing through these books, and I found one book, and it was a baby name book. And I was like, oh, baby names, who, who cares? No big deal. But if you flip it over to the back, there was like psychic hotlines and different things on the back of the book and signs of the Zodiac and different things like that. Listen, um, I wasn't calling those. I wasn't interested in that. But the Holy Spirit was like, this is in your home. I don't want it in your home. Okay, those kind of things. Like, it's not good for Christians to call psychic hotlines, just in case you didn't know that, okay? We're supposed to get our information from the Holy Spirit, not from demons that are talking to people, you know, pretending to be angels, okay? So um, another example of this was um, when my wife and I were first married. Um, I was a meat cutter, and I would work lots of different shifts. But I went for an early shift one day. And I got home, and I was like, I'm going to just take a little siesta because I was kind of tired. And I lay down, just took a quick nap. And I have a dream, and in my dream, there, um, in our closet, there's a gargoyle in our closet on the shelf. So I wake up, and I'm like, okay, gargoyle, probably not a good thing. <laughs> and so um, I, I told Emily, I'm like, I don't know, I had this dream, there's a gargoyle. Let's, like, let's go through our closet. Let's see if there's anything in there. And so we look around, and we didn't find anything like that maybe shouldn't be in there that was in there. And then, but then there was an attic access um, in that closet. So I'm like, let's grab the ladder and look up there. So we grab the ladder. I look up there, and I move the, the uh, cover. And immediately, I look over, and there's pornography in our attic. We were renting, we were renting this place, and there was pornography in the attic. So, and so the Holy Spirit's like, hey, you're not looking at this. It's not like, but it's in your home and I want it to be gone. And it'd been up there a while. It, the, the girls had like mullets and stuff. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> this is the cover. I didn't look through it. I just handed it to Emily. <laughs> it'd been up. <laughs> anyway, handed it to her. She threw it away. Okay. Um, <laughs> But listen, this stuff matters. Ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, is there anything in my home? He will show you. He's delighted to show you. As, as our home should be consecrated to the Lord, he will show you if there's anything in your home that doesn't belong in your home. Okay? Um, this isn't legalistic. This isn't superstition. This stuff actually matters. And I'm just asking you to take inventory with the Holy Spirit and say, God, is there something here that shouldn't be here? And he'll, he'll highlight something to you. Okay? All right. Um, so that's application number one. Get the junk out of the home. Number two, I want to encourage you to do this, to, to build a fortified wall around your homes. Application number two, pray through your entire home and anoint it with oil. We've done this often. Um, we actually move into a new house. We haven't done this yet in our new house. We need to do this. Um, but we've done this often, um, especially when you move into a new house. But every six months or so, I'd say do this. Go through your home and pray through the entire home and get, get some anointing oil, which is a, just a symbol of the Holy Spirit, and then anoint stuff in your home. Like we've, we've anointed TVs. We've anointed computers, doorposts, like God, everything that comes to this door. Um, we've anointed appliances. It's like, I don't want this appliance to last. I don't want to replace this thing. Seriously. <laughs> like we've anointed all kinds of stuff in our home every six months. So go through your home and just walk through it and pray through it. I mean, or even more often than that. Um, Especially when you move into a new home. Have you ever gone into a new environment and all of a sudden you're dealing with a new fear? Or there's a new level of discouragement? Or all of a sudden you and your spouse are just fighting like crazy and you're not normally like that? Um, 
Or all of a sudden, a new temptation comes. You're just like, I have all these new temptations. And you're in a new atmosphere. Well, maybe the spiritual atmosphere of that place needs a little cleansing. And you got to go through and take authority over these things, okay? And if you're really dealing with something and it doesn't seem, you can't seem to shake it in your home, call up to the intercessors. Get some intercessors to come over to your home. Be like, I just want you guys to come through this place and like declare the life of Jesus and plead the blood of Jesus over this home. Because our homes need to be our safe spaces, our places of, of, of safety and refuge, okay? But the, notice the priests, they built, they built this wall, and it was literally their house. The enemy wants to take this fight to you, and it's personal, okay? <clears throat> All right. Dedi- you know, in the Bible, they dedicated everything to the Lord. When they had a new temple, they dedicated the temple. They dedicated the articles of the temple. They dedicated babies to the Lord. That's why we dedicate babies to the Lord. Dedicate your home, everything in it, and everyone in it to God. And pray over it often, okay? That's why. Satan hates you, and he hates the destiny that God has for you. And he'll do anything to hinder that from fulfillment, okay? And when we do this, we are protected many times from the enemy's attacks in our lives. Now, I don't want to give anyone a condemnation trip here. And it's like, I'm being attacked, so what am I doing you know, wrong? Well, you can ask the Holy Spirit, am I doing anything wrong or am I letting anything in? But just because you're being attacked doesn't mean you're like, I, don't want to, I just want to say it doesn't have to be a condemnation trip. But many times this will, um, I, you know, even when you're in your car, you're driving. I go, I'm a runner. I go run on the roads a lot. I'm always praying, save, God, protect me. Pray safety over myself. I get in the car to drive. I'm praying safety. I go on a hike. I'm praying protection over me and my family all the time. And it builds this um, barrier and this uh, spiritual wall around us. Um, I thought of an example of this. And um, the United States military, they designed um, a defensive Gatling gun that when, when the enemy fires mortars or missiles at a base, this defensive Gatling gun is called CRAM, Counter Rocket Artillery Mortar, okay? And this thing's amazing. It shoots 4,500 uh, 4, rounds per minute, which is 75, 75 rounds per second. Can you imagine a gun shooting 70 times a second? And they're not just normal bullets. They're armor-piercing tungsten penetrator bullets or depleted uranium bullets. Okay, so these things are legit. This is a picture of what it's like. And these are defensive weapons. They're not offensive weapons. They're, they're just defensive. This is a picture of what it's like to have the wall of intercession built around our homes. And I have a quick video I want to show of this. So go ahead and roll that. Cool, right? How fun would that be to see those things shooting off? I, I was looking. They also, they also have ones with the exploding, um, the bullets that they explode. And I looked at a lot of them. And you know how hard it is to find a video like this without people cussing in it? It's very difficult. 
took me like an hour to find if some soldier isn't, you know, dropping F-bombs. They're firing off the C-Rams, blankety blank, blank, you know. This is a, I, I remember one time I, we were kind of going through a spiritual attack. I was like, I need to call the intercessors. I need to get some intercession going. I need like these C-Rams shooting off in every direction around my home, okay? We need, our homes need to be fortified places of protection. Most spiritual warfare happens right here. Most of it happens right here. It's the battlefield of your mind, okay? Um, we cast down every thought, every imagination that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, Okay, and that's one of the reasons why we have to pray and build this wall of intercession around our homes is so the onslaught of the enemy's arrows, he shoots those flaming arrows at us. He's attacking our minds many times because if he can get you here, he can get you anywhere in your life. If he can, if he can get a stronghold here operating in your life, he can, he can mess with you any other way. Okay, so spiritual warfare is super important. Okay, so point number one, it's personal and we need to personally go back and attack the enemy personally. One thing about, you know, after 9-11, we were attacked on our soil. We were attacked here. And so, and this was done by the Taliban. So we go and we invade a country, Afghanistan, and we took the fight to their shores. And some people were like, hey, we were there for 20 years. What did we get out of this? Well, I'll tell you one thing we got out of it. We didn't get attacked for 20 years. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So we want to build the spiritual defenses here, but we also want to take the attack and the fight to the enemy. He will attack us personally if we let him. So that's point number one. Point number two, spiritual warfare is personal, but spiritual warfare is violent. Okay, warfare is not pretty. Warfare is violent. We have to take ground by force. Jesus said in Matthew 11, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Or you could say it like this, the spiritual realm suffers violence. And the violent take it by force. We must, we must invade the spiritual realm and, and forcefully take the things, the promises that God has for us. Forcefully take the things that he has said that he has for us. Um, the theme of this week was peace. Well, you need, sometimes you've got to forcefully fight to take that peace, right? You're going to have to fight and labor to enter into God's peace. Um, Ephesians 2.2 says that Satan is the prince of the power of the air, the prince of the uh, heavenly realms or spirit realms. So Satan on this earth is a prince in in the spiritual realms. Okay, listen, the only thing princes want is to become kings. And princes don't like to lay down their authority willingly. That has to be taken from them. And so we have to enforce the victory of Jesus. We have to enforce what Jesus did on the cross because it's not just going to be handed to us. Just because you name the name of Jesus and you're a Christian doesn't mean you're shielded from every attack of the enemy. We have to enforce the victory. Amen? All right. Point number three, last one, and we'll kind of come to a conclusion here with this. Spiritual warfare has eternal consequences. Eternal consequences. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says this. The God of this age, so it's speaking of... Satan, the enemy, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Many times you're like, why can't you people see it? Why can't you see that the gospel is true? Why can't you come to faith in Jesus? Many times it's because the God of this age, the, the enemy of our souls, has blinded the minds of unbelievers 
so they cannot see the truth. But we have spiritual warfare where we can pray for people, name them by name, and ask that those spiritual blinders would be taken off of them so that they could come to faith. Listen, sharing your faith with people is important. Bringing the church is important, but also like bathe that in prayer, bathe that in intercession, that, that those, those blinders would be taken from people, that they would see Jesus, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. Spirit empowered, life giving churches engage in spiritual warfare. Spirit empowered individuals engage in spiritual warfare. You're called to this fight, whether you believe it or not, like it or not, or engaged in it or not. But I want to just encourage you today to uh, recommit and re-sign up for spiritual warfare. Let me have the prayer counselors come forward this morning. You guys can stand uh, to your feet. I love the, the verse that Mike Murphy read here earlier about Jesus. You know, Jesus came once as a suffering servant, as a sacrificial lamb. But he's coming again as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. When Jesus comes, he will, for the second time, for the millennial reign, he will systematically destroy the Antichrist's kingdom. I want to read this verse, Revelation 19:11. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider on it is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe, dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Come on. That's us, you guys. We're coming back with him to rule and reign. Those of us, yeah, they were taken in the rapture. Verse 15, coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which he strikes down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of his fury, the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has the name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Jesus came the first time as a suffering servant. He's coming again as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, riding on a white horse. Amen. So, I don't know, I just want to stir and stir you guys to engage and claim your authority and don't be weaklings and lay down and let the enemy take your stuff. So, I'm going to pray and then uh, we'll close here. Father, we love you. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the authority that you've given every individual here who names the name of Jesus, who is in Christ. Help us to learn our weapons, the weapons of our warfare. They're not carnal, but they're mighty for the pulling down of strongholds. God, I pray we would learn these weapons. We would engage with these weapons, Lord, and we would, we would destroy the kingdom of darkness for your kingdom and for your glory. And the stakes are high. The stakes are eternal. God, I pray that we would, we would often think of people whose minds are blinded by the God of this age. I pray that we would often think of them and tear down those, those, those blinders and those things that are preventing them 
from seeing Jesus as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So today, God, we just, I just pray for this church that we would be stirred and awakened to spiritual warfare. God, I thank you that the, the word you brought last week with Brad Tuttle, just being in that secret place and engaging God in the secret place and, and, and praying the word. God, I thank you for that word. I thank you that that was a word in due season for this church. And I pray we would just continue with that, declaring your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for tuning into the City Lights podcast. We appreciate your support, and we'd love to fellowship with you. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. Be sure to check out our website at citylights.church, where you can submit prayer requests, receive info on special events, and find our social media links. We're glad you could join us, and we hope you have a blessed week.